This movie has everything. Toxic blue Gatorade, deadly fellatio, and two brothers I'd fuck. Yeah, that's a perfect movie. We are talking about brain damage. The girls who cried be horror. Oh, hello, everybody. Uh, another month, another Frank Henenlotter movie. Um, yeah, always, back to back, baby. Literally back to back. Um, as always, y'all, I'm Anya. And I am Alex. Oh, and my cat Craven has joined me. Hello, I wish you could all see her. Um, welcome to our March episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. I am fucking stoked because you really are, love this movie. Like, I fuck with this movie, this movie yeah. so hard. I mean, I've been looking forward to doing brain damage probably since we started doing the pod. And I knew that it would make the most sense to do it back to back with Basket Case because of a couple of little cameos. That mm-hmm. we will obviously talk about. So I'm thrilled. I'm ready to talk about it. I love this movie. I could watch it again immediately. Mm, it's delicious. Yeah. Um, uh, if, if you guys can't hear my voice, I've only been conscious for maybe a half hour today, um, which I think will provide some really interesting commentary because I did, in fact, watch this last night through technically to today because I, I, it ended around like a little after midnight and then immediately fell asleep. And then immediately woke up, and here I am. So, basket case on the brain, for sure. Um, Not basket case, good God, brain damage. I have fucking brain damage, bro. Um, But, yeah, um, this is, like, a really... It is really interesting to watch this so close to having just watched basket case. And not you, but I also then recently also watched Frankenhooker. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing, like, the core um, Hen and Lauder trilogy, which they're not related, but... They have, like, through-line themes, though, I think. Um, oh, I mean, you watch them and you're, like, absolutely a Frank Henenlotter film. Like, for sure. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about with this one. Um, this was not my first time watching it. Uh, I actually believe my first time was I actually watched it um, on Joe Bob's last drive-in. Um, whenever the fuck he had an episode about it. I don't remember now. Um... Which is always interesting, obviously, because he cuts between the movies and, like, gives insight and, um, yada, yada, yada. And then recently he, he for the Valentine special, he did Frankenhooker and had Frank Hennenlauter on and was, like, talking to him, which oh, is also really cool. interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, originally, when I saw Basket Case and then when I saw this, I was just like, yeah, I definitely prefer Basket Case. What I will say is, because, as I said, I watched this and then immediately fucking zonked out. I have an original, like, rating in my head for this, but I am very open today through our discussion to let that fluctuate, because when I was watching it, I was like, not to say that Frankenhooker or that Basket Case are by any means bad movies, because I love both of them, but, like, this one, I don't know how to, other, any other way to put it, but, like, this one feels like, oh, this is a film. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like... We'll get into it, but, like, I was, like, it felt like Frank Henlotter, like, not that he was trying to be serious by any means, but, like, of the three of those movies, it feels like the most, like, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, like, most put together and, like, thought yeah. out. Well, I feel I like, I mean, I haven't, obviously, I have not seen Frankenhooker yet, but mm-hmm. just comparing it to Basket Case, I think 
I'll talk about it a little bit in the background, but this one obviously had a much larger budget. And I think all the things that I really enjoy about Basket Case, like the fucking acting and the wigs and just the absurdity of it, I think is not really present in Brain Damage because I think that all of the acting is like pretty great. And there's a lot of really cool visuals. And I kind of think he just amps up all of the elements that I enjoy in Basket Case in terms of like the puppetry and the animatronics and stuff like that and the practical effects. So it seems like a movie that he's really grown. I mean, it was a six-year difference between when he made Basket Case and when he made Brain Damage. So it's clear that he grew a lot as a filmmaker in that time and he kind of established his style a little bit more. Um, So in that sense, I do think it is, yeah, definitely way better in terms of like filmmaking, if you want to like, you know, say that. Yeah. But also I just, I have like, I have so much fun with the content of this film. And I also think that Brain Damage has a much clearer, like, message that he's sending than he did in in Basket Case. Basket Case was kind of just, like, a fun time and revenge. Yeah, just kind of, like, this crazy concept, and it's, like, how far can we we Mm -hmm. run with that? Um, No, I think you're absolutely right in the sense of, like, yeah, because, as I said, you watch this and you're like, yes, you see Frank Hennenlotter woven into this but there are like clear moments of like growth as a storyteller whether that be a growth a little bit in in budget but um yeah having made those other movies and like kind of like you know the muscle of directing and like the more you work it the better you'll get it or the stronger it will be like yeah it's very obvious especially as I said when you watch them so like close together like it's it's very evident like yeah a lot of good growth happened here. Once again, not to take away from Basket Case or Frankenhooker. I think all of these movies are delightful and wonderful, and I would watch them several times. Well, I think that's um, interesting, too, though, because um, Frankenhooker came two years after Brain Damage, so it's interesting that you think... Did it? Oh my god, I didn't even realize. So it's funny that you think that the second film, because this is the second film he's ever made. He did Basket Case, and then he did Brain Damage, and then he did Frankenhooker, and then Basket Case 2. So... I find it very interesting that you think that brain damage is a, you know, technically, I guess, more well-rounded in terms of filmmaking. What I will say about Frankenhooker is, not to spoil anything, because obviously you haven't seen it. I'm going to watch it, though, so it's okay. Yeah. It's just, like, from moment one, like, it's incredibly campy. Like, not to say that there aren't campy moments in Basket Case, obviously, or... um, (laughs) brain damage but this one feels like like Frankenhooker feels like the entire like we're trying to make a campy movie like okay. we're trying yeah. to be silly I mean, it's and called ridiculous as possible I mean it ends up being pretty much low-key a feminist masterpiece if you ask me I love but, that um yeah so maybe it, it's like he's like okay I did basket case MoMA hashtag MoMA um and then I did brain damage where I really was like I'm gonna give it like yeah in I'm my opinion film. Oscar level there we go. And then he was like, so I did like the quote unquote, like whatever Frank Hennenlotter would get as close to serious as you can imagine. And now time to go fully into the like, we're going to be silly and do ridiculous camp horror. Uh, and I think that there's room for all of it. I love all of it. I love a diverse director. Literally. Um, yeah. So did you enjoy it more this time around or did you enjoy it more the first time you saw it? Um, I think it was equal, but it was in different ways. Because I think the first time I saw it, I didn't know anything. 
and it, there are, it's a fucking crazy story, so when it happens, and yes, there's much puppeting, which y'all know that I fucking live, um, I was like, oh my god, I know. what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and so I think there was that, like, joy of, like, I don't really, I, I know what I watch, but I don't really know, and it was, that was one of the ones where I was like, and I gotta tell Alex, like, bitch, there's a movie that you <laughs> must see, um, and then, yeah, on the second time, knowing the story going in, I I appreciated it the same, but, like, differently, because this time, as I said, I think there was more of a sense of, like, really registering. I was like, yeah, like, there's, like, a, re- a lot of, like, really, like, interesting shit going on here. Like, visually, storytelling-wise, com- once again, acting-wise, like, I made a note of that where I was like, are these good actors? Yeah, I think Like, at so. least some of them. At least some of them was like, um... Oh, like you're, I'm believing this fully Mm -hmm. and like not in a way where I'm like, oh, I'm believing it because like whatever you're selling is from a different universe, but you're selling it. Like, no, like I believe you like fully right here, right now. Like I could pluck you and put you in another fucking movie and you'd serve as well. Like it's Mm -hmm. not just, oh, you're, you work for brain damage. Like, right. So yeah, I, I think I've, which I think is a good sign on two watches now I have fully appreciated this movie at the same level each time. So clearly it holds up. It isn't just like a, you see it one time and you're like, what? And then, you know, next time you're like, nah, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. it holds through. Yeah, I think I honestly liked it more the second time. Even I loved it the first time, but I think I liked it even more this time around. Because kind of like what you were just getting at, like, when I watched Basket Case the first time, I, was, I think the shock of seeing Belial and all of the mayhem is just like, yeah. oh my god, what the fuck am I seeing? And when you see it again, it's still there, but I think you do see the, like, you know, holes here and there where, like, the pacing and the plot might not be the strongest. Whereas, you know, this guy, Aylmer, my little dude, the oh, first yeah. time I saw him, I fucking, oh my god, I almost shit myself. He is so fucking funny, and... I gotta say, I forgot how funny he was, so when I saw him again, I had the exact same reaction this time around, but I don't know, I just think the visuals in this are really, really cool and interesting, except for one one visual, which I will definitely bring up at some point, that I made Greg watch last night, and I was like, how do I, how do I describe this? I don't, I don't know how to talk about this, I don't understand it, it's on the train, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. Visual-wise? Yeah, it's like a visual... Uh, I think I know what you're talking effect. about, and I really like it. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. I I, if it's what I'm thinking of, I um, was like, it's yeah. just freaky, and I really like it. Yeah, I mean, I just really appreciate the fun elements of this film. I also appreciate the, like, deeper message that he's trying to lay out, and I think it's yeah. handled very well. Um, I really love it. And also, the lead actor, it's funny, because I... I think I, like, knew I knew his face the first time I watched it, and then this time I was like, this guy looks so fucking familiar to me, like, I know him from something else, and I looked it up, and I had a really big general hospital phase in my middle Mm. school, early high school years, (laughs) and he was a huge character on General Hospital, and I was like, oh, you motherfucker! Is General Hospital a soap opera? It is a soap opera, it's one of the big ones, yeah. So, he is a, I mean, I don't know how long he was on it, he was on it for the duration of years that I watched, so... You know, honestly, soap okay, opera acting work. is soap opera acting is fucking tough because you have to like do an episode literally every fucking day. 
You have to learn oh, I know. so well, many lines. Roberto is a huge soap opera lover. Yeah, so. And he has, we'll come out in the kitchen in the morning and he's just like watching Days of Our Lives. That's mm-hmm. that's his go-to. Um, which, yeah, soap opera acting is a whole other tangent that we could talk about. I and mean, we we shouldn't do it without Roberto. Yeah, but I think that, he you knows know, more than anyone. his acting in this really proves to me that he can do anything. Listen, there are some great actors that started out on soap operas. You know who started out on soap opera? Motherfucking Jensen Ackles. And I stand Jensen Ackles. I know. (laughs) I know. Bro, he's going to be on The Voice Season 3, and it's coming so soon. And I I cannot fucking wait. Um, Yeah, so should we tell the good folks at home? Mm -hmm. Um, First and foremost, um, it is uh, available to watch um, on Tubi. Y'all know about fucking Tubi. Uh, Canopy. Uh, which I don't know if we talk about a lot, but Canopy's great if you have a library card. Literally, it's free if you have a library card. Um, and Arrow, which is another streaming service solely for, um, cult films, meaning, like, cult classics. Yeah, uh, Cornelia has it, so I have her login, which is where I watched it. Um, but yeah, available those three places. Where did you watch it? I watched it on Tubi. I'm assuming, it has been on Shudder in the past. I assumed it was gonna be on Shudder still, but it has not. But, you know, whenever, you know... You end up listening to this episode. Maybe always give a little check for Shutter because I feel like it might pop back on there at some point. I mean, yeah, currently Shutter has Basket Case and mm-hmm. um, Frankenhooker. So. That's why I was surprised. Right. I, I checked Shutter first and I was like, oh, it's not on here. Um, but, and now a brief synopsis before we get into the meat of it. Um, I will truly try to make this brief. <laughs> so essentially, the story is there is. Um, an elderly couple who is taking care of this parasitic creature known as Aylmer. Uh, he has to be like submerged in like water a lot of the time. So it's in their bathtub. Um, and when they go to feed him brains, which is all that he eats one day, animal brains, of course, uh, he's gone missing and they fucking freak out. And you're not quite sure at first why, but you discover it's because Aylmer releases this like blue fucking Powerade like liquid into his host's brains, um, which kind of gives them this orgasmic, otherworldly, like, pleasure. Um, the trade, though, in a very parasitic relationship is that he gives them that, they give him brains, but he hates these fucking old people because he wants human brains, not animal brains. So he gets loose in the apartment and ends up, uh, in little old Brian's room, um, uh, in the apartment complex, and instantly attaches himself to him and starts forming this parasitic relationship uh, for Brian, who's kind of, like, not outright a loser, but, like, (laughs) he doesn't really have a lot going on other than, like, having a cute little girlfriend. Um, So slowly the parasitic relationship forms, and um, in this kind of intoxicated, orgasmic, high state, uh, Elmer tricks him into bringing him into the outside world to eat human brains very violently uh all the while while his girlfriend is trying to get in contact with him as is his brother who he lives with and those two are starting to form a relationship in the absence of brian's presence uh and brian soon realizes oh my god i'm in too deep because Elmer is now killing people uh and he wants to break the relationship but Elmer has other ideas for that he's not gonna let that happen because he knows that brian is addicted to his blue juice um <laughs> And things just continue to spiral as Brian, like, cannot break his addiction. And then people around him, who, especially people that he loves, start to uh, bite it due to Elmer's brain uh, hunger. And the film concludes with um, 
the elderly couple coming back to try to claim what they think is theirs, uh, a huge battle in an alley, and um, everyone dies, including Aylmer, except for Brian, who then returns to his apartment complex, but because Aylmer and this connection that they had um, has been, like, severed because he's dead and he's been, like, addicted to this blue juice, Brian's brain pretty much, like, almost explodes and leaves a huge hole in his fucking skull that's like a fucking spotlight beam coming out of it and it ends on the shot of him like sitting in his room kind of just in this daze with this light pouring out of his head yeah that's that's brain damage i think i i mean i'm sure we'll get into all of it but since you said that he was the only one who did not die for me i take that scene because when the older man is killing Aylmer, he's squeezing him while he's also injecting the blue juice into Brian's brain. Oh, you're right, you're right, So he gets, like, so much of this drug put into his brain that his brain kind of, like, starts to explode. And so he has to, he, like, shoots himself in the head, which opens up his skull to let the light out. But I kind of just take that as a representation of somebody overdosing and dying. So I find in my understanding that he did die as well and that's just like a visual representation for this film um but i mean it could really be taken literally that he's his head is open and now he has this light coming out or it could be taken in the way i take it of like i think he's dead and that no, was, no no you're yeah. right i i don't know why that laughs well, because you watched it when i am <laughs> bitch I, and then just woke up um no you're absolutely Very correct fine. because um it, the whole movie, as you were saying, and kind of implying earlier, like, kind of is this story of, like, drug abuse and drug addiction, uh, as you see very much also with, like, the people around him trying to be like, let me in, like, what, you're, you're different, like, I know you need help, and, like, him being, like, kind of, like, trying to protect them, because he's not the same person anymore, so pushing them away, and that, and then even the first, one of the first times, um, Ilmer gives him the blue juice, and they're in the junkyard, and I think it's, like, after they killed, like, the, the night guard or whatever at the junkyard. Um, he says something where he's like, give me more, like, the colors are fading. And Ilmer's like, no, like, you've had enough. Like, knowing mm-hmm. that, like, if you take too much, like, it will kill you. And then he's like, okay, just a little bit. So, yeah, you're absolutely correct in that scene when he's squeezing him. Like, it's just, like, blue juice overload in the brain. Because when you see the shots, which are also really fun, where it's, like, his little like almost like I guess like needle thing that goes into the back Mm -hmm. of Brian's neck to feed him the blue juice and then you get the shot of like the close-up of a brain um dripping the little blue on him um it's always like a very very small it's like one or two drops drops, yeah. yeah um but I guess before we get into talking about the rest of this movie um do you have some fun little facts for me I get a couple fun little facts I can't wait all right so brain damage was Released in 1988, it is rated R, and it is 1 hour, 24 minutes, real nice and tight, like we like it. Uh, It is written and directed by Frank Henlonlader, as we've already said, and this was his second feature uh, after Basket Case. Basket Case had a budget of $35,000, which is teeny, teeny, tiny, Um, and so comparatively, Brain Damage had a much higher budget, but considering how much fucking movies cost, the $600,000 budget was still fairly small for them. Um, the original name for this film was Elmer the Parasite, which is very on the nose for me. So I, I prefer brain damage. I think it's a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the original runtime was actually only 66 minutes. Holy but, shit! Yeah, but obviously I think, I think the rule is that like if your film is 60 minutes or less, then it's considered a short film. So, mm-hmm. obviously, 
they added a little bit more. He went back and he, I think he put back things that he had originally taken out. So, I mean, I don't know what a 66 well, minute version of this would There's definitely more um, deaths in this one than there is in Basket Case. Oh, so many more deaths. And a lot of those yeah. deaths, um, that brings me to another point I'll just jump to. Um, the original theatrical release of this film and the home video release had multiple scenes removed because of how gruesome and grotesque they were, you know, obviously including the fellatio scene that we will absolutely discuss, um, which is very infamous in that the crew, when they were filming it, walked off the set and they refused to do it in a very similar way to the scene in Basket Case that we discussed last month. Um, I have very different opinions on both scenes, so I'm very much looking forward to talking about it because I think we might even have a difference of opinion, which is fine. Um, And let's see. Oh, so the budget for this movie was so low that they didn't have the money to do multiple sets. So what they would do is they would build one set piece, film all of the scenes for the film that needed to be in that scene, and then they would destroy it and then build the next set in its place. Yeah, so they're jumping all over the place. So essentially, yeah, I mean, any scene in his, like, bedroom is the same set as when he's in, like, the club or the same set as when he's, you know, anywhere other than, like, the train, which is obviously somewhere that they went to shoot. That's so interesting. I always think when things like that, like – then clearly whatever's being made is, like, such a labor of love. Mm. Because it's one thing to, like, turn out, like, a really cheap movie where, like, you can see that there's, like... I don't want to say there's no thought because obviously when a movie is made in general, like, a lot of people put time and effort into it. Um, But something like this where it's, like, that's a lot of fucking work. For a movie that, like... And Frank Henlotter was never an A-list fucking director. I don't think he was ever under the impression he was going to fucking, you know, win an Oscar or anything like that. Which, you know, isn't the only reason to make films. There's many people that don't give a fuck about any of that. So, but, like, yeah, to, like, do that, like, okay, like, we're going to, it just reads to me very much in a good way. Like, it's so important that we make this movie, but we only have what we have. We're going to make it fucking work. So tear it down and build the next fucking set. I love that. Yeah, and it just makes the, like, the stakes of doing each scene so much higher because it's like, well, we have to do it right this time around because we're going to break down the set and we can't do reshoots because it's gone. So what we have is what we have. Well, it's so funny because um, yesterday, pre me watching uh, Brain Damage, uh, honorary girl cried before Cornelia and I watched this movie, not a horror movie, but it's nuts, called Vegas in Space from 1991, um, which is a drag so semi-musical not really that's so fucking low budget um and we read that literally it was all filmed in one person's apartment in san francisco so like all the sets are like made of like fucking cardboard and like bed sheets and miniatures and like was filmed over several years and once again it was one of those things where it's like this is so fucking weird and goofy and like not in theory good but like i don't care it's so good and a huge part of why I enjoyed it was because of, like, how evident it was, where it was, like, this is a labor of love. Like, people really cared about this, and were having so much joy and fun making it that, like, it's just so evident when you watch it. Yeah, especially if it's something that took years to complete. That's fucking yeah. dedication. I'm sorry, boyhood. Found dead in a fucking ditch. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's see. Um, I'm sure you've noticed uh, the main character, Brian, has a split lip. 
throughout pretty much the entirety of the film. That is not, a, that's just not the actor's lip. Um, some people believed that there was a scene that was shot where he got in a fight and split his lip, but that it got taken out. But Henenlotter has insisted that no such scene has ever existed, and the reason for the split lip is because he made the makeup artist give him one because he, quote, looked too fucking pretty. So, love that. Frank was just like, you know what? This guy is too good looking. I need something to, like, fuck him up a little bit. So, fuck his lip up. Yeah, so that's interesting. That's the whole reason like, for it. He has a split lip, but it's like not like split to an extent where it's like oh a big swollen lip or anything. It literally yeah. is like a cut on his lip. It's like oh this man has one imperfection on his face. He's still really hot, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Frank Henelotter has also said that he wrote this film after giving up cocaine, and he wanted to make a film that would represent the experience of you know drug addiction withdrawal all of that stuff so it's oh yeah I mean I don't think that it's subtle and I don't think that it's a theme that is hidden in any way but I also don't think it like hits you over the head with it I think it's handled very well and I you know I'm sure we'll discuss um Aylmer has a lot of little noises that he makes um and one of them is this little gurgling sound that apparently came from the actor who plays Brian um, I guess if he drinks coffee on an empty stomach, his stomach makes really loud grumbling noises, and Frank Henelotter thought it was really funny, so he made him go to the sound booth and record the noise with a microphone pressed against his stomach, and then that was one of the noises that they used. The Aylmer noises. <laughs> I hate them so deeply. Like, Why? I was watching it, and I was like, I should mute the fucking TV. Like, it, like, it sounds like someone when they're, like, fucking, like, chugging water, and you, like, hear it, like, like gulping, like, going down their throat. Oh! I don't know what it is, but I was like, if this doesn't end, I have to turn this movie off. Like, I fucking... Nothing else, like, sound-wise, visually. Like, I'll fucking watch, like, people get, like, their fucking brains ripped out their fucking assholes. Like, very visually brutal, and I won't feel a thing. Get the gurgling fucking water noise out of my ears. It's the opposite of whatever ASMR is because it's making me angry. I hate it. I mean, it's because it was of someone's stomach, so. I Oh, it was bad. I was like, yeah. Hold on one sec. I want to find this guy's name that I did not write down. Sorry, Greg. Um, yeah. So, yeah. that uh, the stu- All those little weird gurgling noises were um, fun little effects like that. But the voice was John Zacherly, who was like a very famous horror host. Um, and it was, he's like a big name in the horror community. So it's cool that he got to do that. And I think, I mean, it's an iconic voice for Elmer. He sounds, it's just like not the voice that you expect to come out of that little fucking weird veiny dick parasite, but it well, the voice, um, I kept thinking, I was like, I know that I don't know this voice from anything. Like, it, I'm not familiar with this actor. But it, the, the vibes it was giving me, and maybe also because Elmer obviously as well uses elements of stop motion, is it was giving me very much a, a, a Rankin and Bass, like, film. Like, like Rudolph, Santa Claus mm-hmm. is coming to That's town. That's exactly whatever. what like, Greg said. Like, literally, like, the fucking snowman, like, you know, walking us through. Like, that's the type of... Like, if his voice was awesome on those movies, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Now what I need is someone to make uh, a Rankin and Bass universe, but it's, like, all stop motion, obviously, and all the um, Frank Hennenlotter characters together. Um, I'm into it. Somebody get on it. Now, it's not me. I don't have the talent or the uh, 
clearly the brain power to do any of that, but um, I'm the idea woman, always. So someone else do that. Amazing. Um, yeah, the only other little fun fact I had is that in addition to, you know, this film being inspired by, you know, drug addiction and abuse, uh, the actual story of Aylmer was inspired by the story of Faust, which I looked up because I've never heard of that, but it's a, it was I'm assuming it was a man. He was a German necromancer who sold his soul to the devil for knowledge and power. Because Aylmer does have a fucking long backstory in this movie. So Aylmer is supposed to be Faust? I think Aylmer is inspired. I, I just said that it, that this film was inspired by the story of Faust. It's funny because, once again, like uh, last week or whatever... Cornelia and I watched, for the first time, Phantom of the Paradise, which I'm sure some people listening aren't familiar with. It's a huge cult film, and we fucking adored it. And it's based off of partially um, Phantom of the Opera, and then also partially it said Faust, so we were like, oh, Faust, we're not familiar. So then we tried to find a Faust movie, and I don't remember which one we found, but we it was like on Canopy, and we made it about maybe 20 minutes in, and we had to turn it off because it like wasn't good, but there was a scene in which, like, there was, like, a claymation baby, like, being, like, born and then, like, destroyed. And it was so fucking disturbing. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening with me because I also <laughs> don't think it was in English. Um, and it's not fun. And now I feel upset that you made me look at that. So I don't want to watch whatever this is anymore. Um, so I still don't really understand what Faust is. But I'm good. I'm glad to know that clearly it's, it's life lives on in so many other better films. Yeah, I mean, you should let Cornelia know that you, all you had to do was watch Brain Damage. And she's seen Brain Damage, so we sh- I don't know why we aren't getting it. I don't know what's not clicking. Yeah. Yeah, but that is all the, uh, the background that I have gotten for this film. We can just jump right on into talking about its glorious, glorious characters and Aylmer. I love it. I love it. Oh, Aylmer. Oh, Aylmer. Aylmer. He is... In my opinion, one of the most iconic little creatures. Oh, he's in, an icon for sure. In any horror that I've seen, because when you when the film opens and the like old couple is looking desperately for him, you don't know what to expect. Kind of in the same way in Basket Case, where like you don't know what's in the basket, you just know that it's something. And so when you first see him, there's really no way to kind of prepare for it. And I think it's a kind of a double whammy on the reveal of Aylmer because he, you see him and he's this like, I don't know, maybe 10 inch long, thick, phallic looking parasite. It kind of looks like a really fat leech. Um, and it's, he has like kind of like blue veins and like he's very like brainy. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And then he speaks and he's like, oh, hi. And you see his eyes, which are, like, so far down on his body and so fucking tiny and his mouth They're, like, so very tiny. sunken in, too, yeah. I can't handle how much I love him. I need a huge stuffed animal of him. He's the cutest Oh, my thing. God, that's such a good idea. I should fucking look on Etsy and see oh. if there's any animals. Um, and the animatronics no, <laughs> are so impressive in this film. The, uh, oh, for sure. The people who were in charge of it and did the stop-motion animatronics, uh, one of the guys also did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too, so what a resume. But it's just, especially compared to Belial, like, so much work has clearly gone into it because all of the actors worked with the puppet on set, like, fully. The only thing that it said that was not the same is that the uh, 
the wires and like the noises that it made were so loud that they couldn't have the audio playing at the same time. So like that was added in post. But the actors were all like working with this puppet, which obviously I think helps the performances in general, but also it just shows that it's a really, really impressively made puppet that you can work with it and it looks like it's genuinely moving on its own. I I I love Elmer. I really do. Um, yeah, the voice is always what gets me. It's just the, like, hey, old sport, what's going on? Like, just, like, very, like, relaxed, like, uh, like, lounge singer-type vibes, like, uh, and then he does sing at one point when he's in the sing, when him and Brian are having the standoff of, like, Brian's like, I'm not letting you kill anyone anymore, and Elmer's like, good luck with that, buddy boy, because I'm not giving (laughs) you any more juice if you don't let me eat a brain. And then, like, fucking, of course, Brian is, like, in withdrawal, like, suffering. And I I wish I remembered the fucking name of the song. I gotta look it up now. It's, like, he's, it's something, like, oh, fuck. It's, like, Aylmer's, he's, whatever song he's singing is, like, Aylmer's blank. Yes. He's, like, Aylmer's juice, or whatever the fuck he's singing in the same. I think it's, like, Aylmer's tune or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just like this, like there's like he goes to like four verses or whatever, and he's just like da 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 da. He's just da. occupying himself. He's bored. I love that both movies have a scene of the puppet in some kind of like bathroom equipment. Yes, with the guy being like, "What are you doing?" Well, it's really interesting also if you compare Elmer beyond any like technical things or whatever to the character of Belial because obviously in similar ways like the stories are similar with these little creatures that they're trying to hide and they kind of like want to be rid of but like can't fully be rid of um but in the sense that like Belial can't speak he not that he's unintelligent which we obviously realize but like he's definitely less intelligent and because of these like restrictions or whatever like he lashes out in like such violent rage um whereas Aylmer and I believe does that to get what he wants whereas Aylmer is so much more intelligent and to get what he wants obviously he has the advantage of having the blue juice but like with that like in order to get what he wants he uses like intelligent like manipulation tactics i mean in that scene when they're in the bathroom like it literally plays like a scene where it's like the abusive boyfriend is like who do you think you'd be without me like good luck like getting on without me as like brian is like on the floor like foaming at the fucking mouth like because he knows this power that he holds over him he doesn't have to like because i think there's moments where you're like why wouldn't he just kill brian and just eat his brain but it's because he obviously needs a host of some sort to like be mobile because pretty much like on his own he has to like be in a fucking t- bucket of water which is why he's like chilling in the sink and shit um but yeah it's very interesting how they're frightening in different ways or like belial is like if he was charging at me i'd be like running for my fucking life like almost like this like brute ape like strength he has going on whereas elmer is much more like he'll slither into your bed at night and like yeah like kind of like manipulate you with this drug-like substance of, like... I mean, at the beginning of the movie, he's literally, like... After he, like, gives it to Brian for the first time, which is a very, very... That was the... When I first watched this movie, where I was like, oh, is this gonna be some, like, really artsy shit? Where, like, he's lying in bed, and the blue water rushes into the room. Mm-hmm. I love that it's, scene. It's very... I mean, that was, like, a moment where I was like, yeah, Frank Henlotter stepped... Stepped his pussy off a little bit for this. Um, but then when that's done, and he t- and he's, like, kind of, like 
sort of telling, but not really telling Brian what the scenario is going to be. He's like, don't fucking worry. Like, you don't have to do anything ever again. Just, like, literally, like, take the blue juice and feel amazing all the time. I'll do all the thinking for you. And he's, like, saying all this, and I'm like, so where do I sign up? Because <laughs> um, I'm tired of thinking. Um, yeah. I'm well, tired think, of making decisions. Yeah, I mean, I think you're so right in that, like, Especially with Belial. He's like, what, 25-year-old little guy who has been through a lot. 25-year-old little bro. You know, he's just been through a lot. He's been, you know, a lot has been withheld from him in his life. Whereas, if you're looking at Aylmer as like a literal parasite, he is an ancient, you know, intelligent creature that has been around for hundreds of years. And he has gone through so many different cultures. He probably knows a million fucking languages. Like, he has been through so much history and he's learned and grown to be able to be as intelligent and as manipulative as he is. But if you look at him as like a metaphor at the same time, he is that persistent, like, come on, take me like addiction and the inability to break the addiction and to get past it and to like be that little devil on your shoulder being like, just do a little bit more. You know, it's fine. Like, don't worry about your girlfriend. Don't worry about your brother. Don't worry about thinking like, I'm your world now. This is all you need. And I think using a very silly, very funny little fucking phallic parasite to convey such like a dark kind of horrible thing that a lot of people have to deal with makes it a lot easier to digest and be able to be like, yeah, that's, hmm, this is not great. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 magic. One of the many magic things I'm always fucking saying about horror is, and I don't think this is anything new. I think anyone that likes horror or studies it or anything along those lines, like knows this, preaches this, whatever, is the thought that like horror has always been like a vehicle to like address things that maybe are uncomfortable for us or maybe more popular media doesn't want to do whether it be like political things or anything along the lines and definitely something like drug abuse is like not pretty not Mm -hmm. fun obviously it's an issue in this country and shit like that and I think there's definitely like a a facet of people that are like I want to I don't want to talk about it I don't think about it whereas like yeah like horror can do that because it will like push things to an it'll do something like this where it's like oh and we're gonna use this yeah this like leech like fucking puppet um with blue gatorade in his veins to like stand in as our you know addiction it'll be fun but it will also get our point across yeah and you know i think it serves as like escapism obviously for some people i think it works on both fronts where like neither of us have obviously dealt with um drug addiction personally and um so we're obviously not watching it as like this is my story but like an understanding of like yeah not that once again we obviously can't speak on it to that extent because we haven't dealt with it but like to see that and kind of be like yeah like that is a scary thing and while yes we're watching it through you know this puppet you know if you if you take if you if you in your mind imagine that Elmer was real, wasn't a fucking puppet, he's fucking freaky, or with anything else, like, yeah, you have this understanding of it, and I think probably, if you're someone that, um, has overcome drug abuse or whatever, there maybe may be, like, a sense of catharsis in watching this, in the sense of, like, yeah, sure, once again, it's campy and it's silly, but, like, for sure, and as you're saying, like, Frank Henenlauter, it's a story he's telling 
fully from that experience of being addicted to cocaine and like overcoming that and then being like, I want to purge myself of this and this is how I'm going to do it. And I think that's something that's great about horror is just like, especially a movie like this where it's like, you can watch it and you can have fun and you don't have to think about it if you don't want to. You literally can just enjoy it as a crazy movie. But it also has those layers that if you want to, they are there and you can peel them back. And not to shit on any other movies or any other genres more specifically, because there definitely are, I think, other movies outside of horror that do things like that. But I don't think there's any genre so consistently that does shit like that, like horror. Which is one of the many reasons, again, when anyone is like, I don't like horror or like shits on horror. Listen, I can't make you like something you don't like. That, uh, you know, I can't relate. I obviously love horror. But I always just am like, I don't think that you've loved hard enough. Peace and love, like, I just think that you're watching very surface level stuff, which I probably also really like. But like, it is such an expansive, wide genre there has to be some horror movies that you like. Maybe you're not, you know, in love with the genre and you're not obsessed with it, but, like, people always kill me when they're like, oh, I don't like horror. I'm like, but I think you're wrong. I'm sorry that I know it's your opinion, but I think that you're wrong. Well, because people sometimes have, like, kind of a one-track mind when it comes to horror, and they see horror and they think, you know, torture porn and gore and slasher stuff. And horror is probably the most expansive genre that exists in film. There are so many subgenres and subgenres within those subgenres. And you can have horror films. I mean, this film kind of has both where there is gore and there are practical effects and it is, you know, it's not scary, but it does have those elements that some people might be a little bit, you know, sheepish and shy away from. But it also has, like you were saying, the more important message underneath everything where they're conveying something important through the campy, the gory, and no other genre can really do that. You can kind of get away with anything in horror because my mind is so open to anything that you want to show me. I will, I'll soak it in. I'll take it. I'll take that blue juice. And I think that there's something about the fact that obviously a hu- the huge component of horror is eliciting fear in an audience, just in some capacity. And I think that that's what helps work with all that. Where even sometimes if a director isn't even fully, like, intending to, like, be like, and this is a fucking metaphor for blah, blah, blah. Audiences, once again, more specifically horror audiences, I feel like are so much more likely to, like, and not in, like, a pretentious, fucking annoying way, but, like, pull meaning from something, even if it's just personally for themselves. Because of the fact that, like, when you watch horror, and that's one of the things that's fun about horror, just, like, you watch it and you get scared and you get that adrenaline rush of, like, being on a roller coaster or whatever, and then you're like, but I'm safe. Like, it's not actually real. It's not actually happening to me. I got the thrill of it all. I'm like, <gasps> but the, the reassurance of, like, but I'm okay. Um... But I think when it, it elicits those feelings in us, like, there's a sense of, like, in horror movies where, like, it doesn't necessarily mean to find a girl, but where someone's battling something, some force, some monster, some whatever, and they overcome it, like, yeah, like, it's that sense of catharsis, and if you've ever dealt with anything in your life that you've had to, like, overcome or battle with, you, you feel with that character, and you're like, fuck yes. But I think in the same way, in movies where they, they're battling something and they don't win and it has a really dark ending, I think that there's a catharsis in the sense of, like, yeah, I, I want the truth. Like, sometimes people don't make it. Or, as I was kind of saying, or on top of that, it could be, like, that ended badly, but, like, I have the catharsis of knowing, once again, like, it's not real. So that was just a movie reality, and I, like, got to play it out, but then, like, be safe from it. So... 
I love horror. I was just telling you the other fucking day at my job I was with, uh, I have a new job, y'all. Um, but <clears throat> someone was telling me, one person that claimed they didn't like horror, and then one person who was an annoying fucking, y'all fucking know, annoying white film boy who was like, I, I, I love horror. Have you ever heard of blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, choke and die. <laughs> Literally go away. Um, it got brought up that my favorite movie is obviously The Lost Boys, and both these motherfuckers were like, oh, The Lost Boys? I didn't want to consider that a horror movie. I was like, have you considered um, checking into a psych ward then? Like, literally, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, and that's what I like, mean, like, having such a small idea of what Oh my god, is, I know. It's a horror comedy. I don't understand how anybody could classify Lost Boys as anything other than horror. Uh, literally, I was like, I'm sorry, what would it be then? Is it a musical? Literally, please, please tell me, you literally. A romance? I mean, there's elements of romance in it. I could go on about the Lost Boys forever, so I will stop. But, um, yeah. So, we have a long-ass tangent. I don't even know where we fucking no, began. No, that's fine. But, yeah, no, I I think all of that is to say that, uh, yeah, Aylmer is a very complex little boy, a little creature, ancient boy. Um, and I think, also, something that we talked about in our Basket Case episode is the use of, like, New York City and the grittiness of that setting. And I think he does that, honestly maybe even a little bit better in this film because with I think the combination of having like the gritty dark New York streets at night and this element of like drug addiction and murder really ties together nicely because you get I think it it helps a lot of the death sequences because he is put in situations where maybe somebody who is a drug addict or somebody who's trying to you know maybe find drugs or something would be in like a like a club or like a little seedy motel, like trying to find people. So, just the overall atmosphere is such a a weird mixture of being campy and silly, but also like having these dark, fucked up undertones. And I think that kind of brings me to a sequence that I think we should talk about because it's very polarizing. Um, and it's I think it's maybe the third death scene in the film, second or third. Um, and, you know, obviously we, we addressed it briefly in the background information, but there is a sequence where um, prior to knowing that when he's getting high, Elmer is killing and eating people's brains, he doesn't realize this yet. He just thinks that he's has this amazing, like, acid trip happening, and all Elmer wants is to go on a walk and to, like, see the world with him because that's essentially what he's been told. So they go to a club. Uh, Brian is very high. He meets a woman. They seem to hit it off. It seems very consensual. They go into a back alley and are hooking up. And she decides it is time to go downtown and see what he's packing. And when she opens a zipper, unfortunately for her, it is not his penis. It is Elmer who goes straight into her mouth. And it is a very graphic shot of him in her mouth, eating her brain through her mouth, because he is, he is purposely phallic looking, he is, like, very thick and veiny and, like, weird going into her mouth, obviously, he, Brian is also in this euphoric state, he doesn't realize what's happening, so he's holding her and not letting her go, and I see why it bothers people, I see why people would walk out of the filming of it, if it is not something that they think is tasteful or appropriate, I think it's a lot of fun, because I recognize that in this film, there's so only so many ways you can get to brains. And I think it's a funny little pun on giving head uh, or getting head. And for me, I just think it's like 
fucking hilarious and really well shot and a little bit like jarring which I think is the point I think it's supposed to be shocking and it's supposed to fuck with you and it doesn't bother me in the way that like the basket case death bothered me which I know even that one bothered you more than it did to me but I think my issue with that one maybe was more that like she was I don't know that one just felt more of a violation than this one did for me for some reason um but I would love to know your perspective, if you hate it, if you think it's okay, if you like it. Um, well, I will say that I definitely, the Basket Case one is obviously, is much worse for me, in my opinion. And I think that that's because, like, it, it, and also with Aylmer in this scene, like, Aylmer isn't trying to get anything sexual from this woman. Like, he wants her brains, and, like, the access point is through her mouth. Um, whereas Belial seems to be, like, wanting to experiment with, like, having sex with a woman. Which she doesn't want. Um, the motivation is different. Yeah, it's difficult because when I when I it was coming up this time, I was like, okay, here's the scene, and yeah, she's like, well, what I noticed this time, and you had said like, oh, it seems consensual, which it does for um, the most part, but then when they get in the alley, I don't know what it was, but there was something about it where like, because at this point he seems to be like really fucking tripping off like the blue shit, is like he seems kind of like out of it. And I think she says something to him where she's like, she says like, "Don't fall asleep on me now." And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and I was suit. like, okay, we have to be fair because if this was reversed and it was a woman and it was a guy going down on her, or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, like, don't fall asleep," and then he went ahead with it, we would all be like, "What the fuck?" Rightfully so. So there was a moment where I was like, "Listen, I'm not wishing anybody to die this way," um, but yeah. So there's a sense of like, I was like, "Why is she doing this?" She's taking advantage of him and even if sure you can argue like oh like men like wouldn't care like blah blah like fuck off like it's she shouldn't be doing anything if he is not in the right state of mind whether it be a man and a man woman a woman woman a man man woman any of those combinations you shouldn't do anything with a sexual partner if they are not conscious if they are not in the right state of mind to give you consent like it is just like fucked up so there was a sense where i was like maybe she's getting her motherfucking comeuppance then if you're fucking asking me, because once again, it's like I think of something like um, teeth, where like the whole movie is based around her having teeth in her coochie, God bless, and there are many scenes where people are trying to violate her, and what do they get? Uh, uh, severed limbs, chomp, 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 and we're rooting for her. We're like, yeah, you got what you fucking deserve, and not that I'm wishing that she had to deal with that at all in the first place, but you know, if, if you motherfuckers are gonna be sick and do it, I hope you get what's coming to you, and low key. I think that's what's happening here. So they think there's less of a sense of, like, me being, like, oh, my God, this poor victim, of me being, like, you were, in theory, going to assault this guy. Like, so you know what? Let Elmer eat this bitch's brain. What I will say, though, is when it happens, obviously, it's, like, like, into her mouth, and you're, like, oh, my God, what a, okay, immediately you get it. And then they kind of, like, you know, show it from the back. But the two things that they do that really, I feel like, make it, like, very violent feeling and um where I think someone could be like actually this I can't do this is the fact that Brian puts his hands on the back of her head um and starts to like kind of like forcefully like push her onto his dick which I'm unfortunately there are many cases where men do that to women when they're giving them head Head pushers are the worst and they should die yeah that's it. I there's so many people. There are so many people in my life that have been like, told me stories of, and, and thank God, like nothing that I know of that's been like, oh my God, bad. But like, yeah, someone putting their hands on their head and they like take them off. They're like, don't fucking push my head. 
like fuck off um so i think the sense of that kind of feels like oh i don't like that and then they cut back which i almost you almost don't even expect them to do like it's such a goofy kind of death this blowjob moment where you're like we saw it go into her mouth and we see like the head bobbing we get it they cut back to the side angle to see it still going into her mouth and then blood starts to like pour out along the side of elmer as she's like being forcefully like forced to like choke on him as he eats her brains and it's very violent but what i will say is yeah i don't particularly feel the same way overall that i do about basket case as i kind of said because yeah it 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 doesn't even though like visually obviously it insinuates a sexual encounter and this woman was hoping for a sexual encounter the actual act itself is it sexual because at the end of the day like it's not like Brian is actually getting, like, released sexually from this. I mean, he's, like, already high on the drugs. Yeah, so she's, she's not like, actually in an orgasmic state of mind. No, no, no. And, like, Elmer isn't connected to him in a way, as far as we've been made to know, that, like, he would be getting stimulation from this. So, yeah. And as I said, I don't fuck with the fact that she was going to do this, and he wasn't in the right state of mind. And she fucking made it verbally Whoa. known that, like, she can realize that he's not fucking there fully. And she fucking went for it anyway. She unzipped his pants, and she got, you know, what she had Girl, fucking coming you just to her. blew so, my mind because I... This is the opposite of what I thought you that? were going to say, and I'm so happy because I didn't even think about that. The second you said it, yeah, he is clearly not in a, a state where he can consent at all. Yeah. And I think that because... I'm a woman and I watch films kind of through my own experiences and also watching films specifically for this podcast where I know that we like to look at things from the female perspective, specifically in horror. I was looking at it specifically from her perspective and not really considering his side of it. And you're so fucking right because she should not have continued to do anything with him at that point. He was way far gone. He could not agree to anything. And it's so funny because you know that those crew members on the set that walked off did not walk off for that reason. They walked off because they thought it was a, like an inappropriate representation of her and something happening to her and violence against her, which, you know, I agree. It is violence against a woman. Mm-hmm. But if we're really nitpicking here, I yeah, the issue I have more with is the fact that she didn't stop and it's something that he can't consent to. It's so interesting. Look at you. Big yeah, brain I mean, I on Anya. In general, like, <laughs> that brain damage doing me I good, do, baby. I do personally um, like the shot of Aylmer in her mouth with the blood coming out because it is that shock factor, and I know it's not a dick, so I'm not like, oh my god. Yeah, I think, I, I don't dislike, like, I think it's one of those things where I watch, I'm like, yeah, like, gore-wise, and like, if you're trying to, like, disturb an audience, like, you did a really good job. I think it's more so because, obviously... I, not to say that other people aren't or that even you aren't, but, like, I definitely sometimes I feel, like, I, listen, at the end of the day, like, I don't trust men at all. I'm literally afraid of them in the sense of, like, you could kill me at any moment or, like, do something horrible to me. Um, So I think anything, even though, as I said, like, she was in the wrong to be doing this, like, that sense of, like, violence of, like, something that could just casually happen and men don't think about it of like I'm gonna like forcefully push your head onto my dick and then it's like oh and then you have that sort of visual but like and now there's like blood involved there is a sense of like where my stomach kind of like does a flip a little bit and I'm like oh I don't like the that but I think that I it was much more digest like literally the basket case one I have to like literally put my hand well, the basket one, case one just like I can't makes do it. you feel so fucking icky 
that one makes you feel fully violated. Like for me, I'm like, I can't even believe that where this one. Yeah. I think because it it is just like, so something about it just feels so much more silly. And as we've stated, the actual act has no sexual other than from her, which she shouldn't has no sexual intent behind it. Whereas obviously the Belial one, as far as we can assume very much does. Yes. Yes. I also Um, don't like him holding her head because like we've said, head pushers are the worst and I don't he does it again um when he's kissing his girlfriend on the train and Aylmer is eating her brain and so I there's part of me that's like is it something that like he's not I'm assuming he doesn't realize that he's really doing it I think it, it has to be Aylmer in control I have to believe because like he's when he says to him as I said at the beginning like oh don't worry like I'll be in control of like everything like I'll take care of everything like but what's weird is, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's something to do with, like, if he puts the blue stuff in him, yes, he gets this high. But while it's, like, still in his system, he has some, like, maybe telepathic-esque control of him. Because as far, as far as we see, he's only, like, connected to the neck when he's putting the juice in. And other than that, he's literally kind of, like, this free-roaming, like, fucking, like, ratatouille in his fucking shirt moving around in different places. Like, there's no way he's fucking, like, connected to his neck still when he's popping out of his fucking pants. So, yeah, there's a sense of, like, why is he doing that? Like, because, like, he doesn't want to be hurting these people, especially when we get to his girlfriend on the train. But, um, yeah. Then there's also a sense because he does it twice that it's, like, is it... Aylmer being in control, or if we're really going back to the drug abuse thing, is it the sense of, like, my need for this, like, blue shit is so overpowering from my need to, like, not harm you that, like, where it's, like, I need to give Aylmer what he wants. Fuck. I don't care. Like, I need it, and thus he's just, like, fuck, like, forcefully, like, pushing Aylmer toward what he wants I could more. see that maybe for the, so, the Because train. he knows he gets the juice. Uh, but he, at the yeah. point for the blowjob one, he doesn't know that Aylmer's doing it so I feel like because he's so high in that moment and they do show a a shot of him like like he is getting a blowjob and I feel like it's very possible that just the drugs in his system are so euphoric and like orgasmic that he thinks that that's what she's doing and so he's just instinctively like putting his hands on her head and like as fucking trash men in an alley would do so I think it works on a lot of levels I think it's funny I think it's well shot I think it's you know, representative of sexual violence towards women. And I think it also shows the power of drug abuse. I think it has a lot of different elements and a lot of layers. It's representative of the sexual violence and assault against men yeah. as well. You, you can write a fucking thesis Which on this we, scene, we don't I talk think. about enough. Yeah. So we should, I, I'll move on because I could talk about it forever, but, um, yeah, the, I guess the last thing that I want to bring up before we move on to our favorite part, unless you have anything, would just be the practical effects in general in this film because there are a lot of really awesome death sequences and a lot of really just cool moments that I would love to bring up a few of because I don't think we're going to really have an opportunity to talk about them. Um, two that really stand out to me were the dinner sequence when he goes out to dinner with his girlfriend and his spaghetti yeah, and meatballs yeah. turns into brains. I made a note about that. And they're that. just yeah. like pulsating and at first it's one meatball and then it's two meatballs and it's the whole plate of meatballs. And it's, again, you know, I think a representation of like the, the physical need because for him the need is the juice but it's manifesting in yeah. Elmer's need 
for the brains. So I just think it's a really cool right. visual. I think it's done super well. It was, feels very like Nightmare on Elm Street. I was going to say, it's very Nightmare on Elm Street. It's very the much, pizza. um, you know, the it scene in which the, the, the they've reunited and, you know, the fortune yes. cookies turn into, like, really disturbed shit. Yeah, that's always a fun thing of, like, I'm sitting here in this, you know, normal setting, especially when it's, like, an, in a public place, and now I look down at my meal, and it's not my meal anymore. It's also, something really fucked up. drag me to up. hell, if you've seen that. Oh, oh yes, I've seen Drag Me to Hell. We've been trying for months to find it, to rewatch it, and it's, like, I never available it. I to love watch Drag anymore. Me to Hell. Oh, you're so lucky. Um, <clears throat> But, yeah, I, I love that brain scene. I love the little brains that were once meatballs. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, yeah, really fun just visual, like, especially with the pulsating going on. Yeah, it, it looked real, on. and it's just, like, ugh, I had to make note of it. And then the other sequence. All the brains look very real in this. So my thing is, like, did they get actual animal brains? Which is possible, I'm sure, to some extent. Um, maybe or maybe or they're just really good at their job. Are they making really good prosthetics? Like, I believed all of them. It's funny, though, you haven't seen – um. Frankenhooker, but there's a shot in Frankenhooker in which the lead has, like, a tray of just, like, titties. And the first thing I thought of when I was rewatching this at the beginning, when the old lady has, like, the tray of all the different um, little brains, I was like, I love the consistency. Also, I have to make note, that fucking lady at the beginning, (laughs) one of the first notes I made, I was like, this bitch is screaming. I can't even, (laughs) I can't even, like, she is screaming. I can't even, you have to watch to fully get it. Because the scream is, like, sure. Like, and we can infer later. It's because, like, she really is so scared and so devastated. And she's an addict, too, along with her husband. Like, our source is gone. You would think that she was in fucking hostel, the way she is screaming. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like just this, like, crazy, like, from deep within her soul, like, guttural, raw, scratchy. And they never end. It, it's insane. So, at first, which is, I think is why it was jarring that there was, like, good acting. Because you start yeah, with these so two, true. and you're like, oh my god, we're going to be on some basket shit. And then you get to Brian, and Brian was the one that I made the note of, where I was like, he can act, which obviously we've talked about because he then did General Hospital good for him. Um, but yeah, I, I could go on about this fucking lady and her screams for a minute, but... She's so funny, because like, even before she like realizes he's gone, when she gets the brains, there's like a moment of her being like, mm, yes, these look so wonderful. And she's like salivating Well, over because them, when she first like, screams, and this is actually before the reveal to Elmer, she opens the curtain, and the way she screams is you think that there's something in the tub. Like, you would think that there's a fucking bloody corpse. Right. And then when it turns out and it's just like a tub of water, you're like, why is this bitch screaming like this? What the fuck? <sighs> Yeah, it's it's a really a strong way to open the film because I'm immediately hooked. Um, but the other really really well done sequence I want to talk about is a it's like a fake out where it's just I think because he's withdrawing and he's struggling and he, his brain is not all there where he thinks that there's something in his ear and he starts <gasps> to pull oh it. Oh my god! Yes, and he so just good. pulls out this like bloody brainy like. It's, it's, like, covered in brain matter, and it's just, like, this long string, and he's just pulling it like a fucking magician, pulls scarves out of their sleeve, and he's, like, screaming at the same pitch the whole time, like, oh! It's so hard to watch, because it goes on for such a long time, and... And then his fucking ear falls off. Oh, yeah, and his ear just fucking comes right off. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, it. as someone who, like, sorry if this is TMI, but I cry, I'm, like, chronically on my fucking, um what is it black swan shit like that scene when she's like in the thing and like fucking ripping her cuticle oh. off and like pulls it until it comes up 
I'm sorry to reveal, I do that shit to myself all the time. And not in a, in a way that should be concerned. Like, it's not a self-harm way. It is just, like, I, I don't know if it's an anxiety thing or whatever, but, like, I'm constantly, like, picking at my, like, hands and everything. I can never let a scab heal. I, that's why I'm, oh, I'm also a chronic Band-Aid wearer because I'm either trying to cover something I don't want to pick at or I've already picked at it and it's bleeding. Um, so anytime that there's something like this where they're, like, pulling themselves apart, maybe that's why I love the poltergeist scene so much when he rips his face off. There's, like, oh, that's something... that's such a good scene. Such a good scene. Um... There's something about it where I'm like, oh, I feel seen, but also like, do I want to do that? Do I want to rip yeah, my face I, off? I also like will pick at things and do things like to the point where like I know I need to stop, but I can't. There's and this, so it's the same thing. It's a sense of like, I, I, it's not because I'm enjoying the pain or anything like that, but there's like, oh, there's something wrong. Like there's like, and I just got to get it off me. I got to get it yeah, out of me. It's a and even thing. if it hurts now, like it'll be better. It'll be better if it's out of me. Even though like anyone with a rational sense of thought is like, stop. Like you're destroying yourself. And I'm like, no, no, it'll be fine. I just got to get it out. I just got to get it out. Um, maybe I've revealed something about myself that I shouldn't have. People are like, Anya, you need to see somebody about that. And you know what I want. I don't think this is the tipping point. Yeah. <laughs> it already happened. Um, but yeah, I, I love both of those scenes. Um, those are definitely the two huge visual effects scenes. And then obviously the one we already talked about at the beginning, kind of with the the water rushing into the room. Yeah. Like that's really, and he's like kind of like it's like oh coming over him. The thing I'll say about that though um, is like the whole thing is like he's staring at the ceiling, and we're supposed to assume I guess it's the first time that the parasite of Elmer has, like, slipped into his sheets and, like, fed him the blue so that he can now hook him, is he's staring up at his, like, titty light on the ceiling, and it gets, like, really bright, and then later, when he's talking to him again, he's like, oh, I want to feel, like, the bright light or whatever, which then, so, as I had said, pre that, I was like, oh my god, like, fuck, do I want Elmer? Do I want some blue juice in my brain? But then I was like, actually, um, once again, as someone who chronically hates bright lights, like, I lit, n- dead ass. like, I hate the overhead light, I don't ever put it on in my presence, like, I want little tiny lamps everywhere, like, I'm not trying to live in complete darkness, but, like, I like more of, like, a, a warm, dim light than, like, overhead lights make me angry, actually. That's don't how ever- you're gonna stop people from doing drugs, is you're gonna be like, do you like overhead lighting? No, literally. I'm sorry, do you want to live constantly with an overhead light on? I didn't think so. Don't do drugs, kids. That's my fucking dare campaign. So I was like, actually, that's the exact reason why I would never partake in Elmer. Bitch, turn the lights off. Too much. I think that that scene is probably the best way that he uses the drug addiction as, like, a visual representation, because they always yeah. say that, I mean... Obviously, I've never done anything more than, like, weed. Um, But they always say that, you know, the first time you do, like, heroin or cocaine or any of the hard drugs, like, that first time you do it is the most euphoria you will ever have. And so him kind of just being washed over by the blue and being kind of taken by it and then always chasing it thereafter and not being able to get back to that, like, level of euphoria is very much something that is a part of drug abuse and drug addiction so I think to show that and it's also just really fucked up that like he didn't have a choice Elmer just did it and now he is that's very true 
which is also a big thing where like you know drug dealers will like give you a fucking sample to be like here you want to try it and knowing that it's gonna hook you and that you're gonna come back and that you don't have a choice in the matter at that point and it's also it's scary when he wakes you. up the next day and it, he gets up and the whole fucking like white bed sheets are like bloody like yeah. of course immediately i was like oh that's like when you get like your period oh, overnight and same. you didn't realize and you're like fuck um but as a woman honestly you, so quickly you become used to it but like that that idea of like literally you wake up you went to sleep fine as far as you know you woke up maybe you know a little feeling fine and then you look at your bed and it's covered in blood like that shit's scary and then yeah immediately you're like where the fuck am i bleeding from and then yeah in the back of your neck oh bitch no 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 no. that's also why i wouldn't do it you know how i feel about like needles and like bodily shit like I, sorry elmo you're not putting your little fucking tiny little blue prick in my goddamn neck <laughs> um i have two quick things i want to just address before we move on mm-hmm. which is um the special effects sequence on the train um which is at this point this is when you were talking about at the beginning yes this is the one i was talking about brian and his girlfriend are on the train and she's trying to talk to him and trying to understand what's going on with him and i think aylmer is just in his mouth he's just like in his body Mm -hmm. and there are three moments where anytime she turns her head aylmer leaps out of his mouth at her but girl, that effect is not cute. You didn't like it? No! It's so bad. It looks so bad. What compared I will say, to everything else. Okay, here's what I'll say. Yes, obviously compared I love it, to everything I else. It. Like everything else like looks like good. Where like that is clearly like, okay, actor, <laughs> open your mouth and we're gonna put this in and pose. <laughs> yes. I get that. What I think works for me is like they're on the train and it's like it only happens when they like presumably like go under like something on the train Mm -hmm. that like makes the cart go dark so it is these like i think visually it's like yeah it's like it goes dark and then these like moments of darkness he opens his mouth and this thing comes out that he has to close i think that's really freaky for me and i think in a way that i actually watched this video once and i learned about it because of courage the cowardly dog which i stand courage the cowardly motherfucking dog um is the thing that works in that show a lot of the time that makes shit really freaky is, like, obviously, like, Courage is, like, a 2D animated show. When they put in, like, a creepy, like, villain whatever thing in the show and they put it in a different style of animation, it's so jarring to you because you're like, this does not match what the rest is. Mm -hmm. It freaks you out a little bit. And I think that works in its favor here of, like, you know, we've come to, you know, see Aylmer as this very much, like, 4d prop animated whatever the fuck um whereas then to see him almost in this kind of almost 2d-esque nature cgi yeah like it is just like freaky like yes i don't believe that it's real but like it visually like is freaky enough to me that i'm like yeah this is working in a in a different way than the other stuff has worked it it is freaky but yes i can definitely see why it is also like laughable for sure. It's so fucking funny. It kills me every time I showed Greg last night. And I was like, look at this shit. Look at this. Well, and it also makes this noise where it's like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. But also in that sequence, we get our basket case cameo. We which do. we would be remiss to not discuss briefly. Um, I mean, we only get um, Dwayne coming on the subway with his wicker basket with a lock on it. And they just kind of stare at each other. And it's kind of this moment of like, knowing that the other person has something dark hidden within them um and then Dwayne gets like freaked out and like scurries off it's a very small moment it's such a little like nod to people who have seen his other films I love that kind of stuff where directors just toss in little like easter eggs well Uh, speaking of easter eggs yes 
bring it up. Very early on, we get Miss Beverly Bonner, who was Miss Casey, who we talked about in the Basket episode, as this incredible addition to the Frank Henenlotter universe, and he liked her so much that he then included her in all his films to come. Um, she is the first neighbor that the old couple goes to to be like, can we check your bathroom? And she's like, what the fuck? Check my bathroom. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Um, and then we also get... Um, Actually, I don't think he was in Basket Case, so you wouldn't know him. I think that's the only, those are the only two Basket Case the only two Basket cameos There I is a, a guy that then goes on to be in Frankenhooker as well, which obviously came okay. afterward. But the guy in the showers, when he's at like the gym or whatever mm-hmm. it is, who's like the really big, he's got like Dorito body to the max. Um, he plays um, a pimp in Frankenhooker, which is so funny because obviously he's like this like kind of like fucked up bad guy in Frankenhooker but here he's like weirdly wholesome like he's just like minding his business in the shower and then Brian comes in and he's like hey like you know don't worry like nobody's gonna bother you in here like like kind of just like being like because I can clearly see that this guy is like going through something he's like you're safe here like don't worry um and he's like it's all yours and mind you like not that I like think this guy is ugly but like I wouldn't say he's particularly, like, my type. Like, he is just, like, so huge and beefy and ripped that I'm like, good for you. I don't, obviously, I think on a basic level, I'm like, sure, attractive guy. I'm not into it. But something about the fact that he was just, like, so kind, I was like, do I love you? Am I in love with you? Um, But, yeah, had to mention him as well. Because I was, like, in my head, I was like, oh, my God, he's from Basket Case, too. But I was like, no, 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 no. He's from Frankenhooker. It's just that I also watched Frankenhooker recently that I was like, that guy. I like to imagine that all three films are in the same universe because Why they're not? all in, you know, the they're all like New that York grimy streets. New York City fucking yeah. science fiction freak of nature shit. Yeah, and I mean clearly, Basket Case and Brain Damage exist within the same universe, so why can't Frankenhooker for sure? Franken- yeah, exactly. <sighs> all right, well, now that we've gone through all of that, everybody strap in because it's our favorite part, which is, as always, the Q and Slay. <laughs> So lovely to be back in the warm embrace of the Q and Slay. Yes, uh, let's get into it. Um, I will start, and I will ask you, what is your favorite line from this film? So easy. There's some good ones. So easy, because when I was watching, and I was like, oh, fuck, what's your favorite line? I was like, I feel like there was definitely a line in this movie that I loved the first time, and I like, ran back to my letterbox to see if I had like written it down, and I did. Um, and I was like, oh, thank God. Um, I was like, there's no other line that I care about like this. It's after... The blowjob death, and it is, um, Brian has found out, like, because after it happens, he's, like, kind of, like, freaked, and he, like, checks his, he pulls his pants down, checks his underwear, there's, like, blood in it, he's, like, what the fuck, and, like, discards them in, like, a fucking, like, trash can in an alleyway, and then when he's in the room that he ends up being held up in with Aylmer, um, trying to go through, like, withdrawal and all that shit, he's, like, addressing Aylmer, and he's, like, what the fuck is going on, and, of course, Aylmer's killing you, because he's, like, yeah, I ate a rant. Yes? Um... When he's questioning him about it, he's like, well, I didn't know, blah, blah, And he's like, and the line is, and when it comes to blood in my underwear, I want to know how it got there. And I was like, once again, as someone that does a monthly bleed, babe, I feel the same exact way. If there's going to be blood in my panties, I better know where the fuck it came from. Aylmer. Um, I just think that's (laughs) such a good fucking line. Yeah, that whole scene is really funny because Brian is, like, so confused and, like, on edge. And Aylmer's just like, yeah. I sucked your brains out through her mouth. Yeah. He's like, what yeah, did you did think it. was going on? Yeah, what's, what's your problem? It's so funny. Um, I also wrote that, that line down because it's 
really funny. Uh, but mine, I literally laughed out loud, paused it, rewound it, and watched it again, which is the scene when Brian is trying his best to detox from the blue juice and not help him eat any more brains, and they are locked in a hotel room together, and they're fighting, and Brian says, it's not going to happen again, and Aylmer asks what, and Brian says, killing people, and Aylmer goes, oh, (laughs) I thought you meant getting high, and it (laughs) made me laugh so hard. I don't know why, it's just his delivery of the, the, oh, (laughs) like, you fucking idiot. Of course I'm going to kill people. I just loved it. That's just... I live for that. I love Aylmer's delivery. He's just so matter-of-fact about everything, but also at the same time, so chill. Like, he has no worries. He's just, you know, he's just going to do what he got to do. It is what it is. And he's going to get those brains. He's living life one brain at a time, baby. Mm -hmm. All right, well, what is your favorite kill of the movie? This will be a nice, quick, easy one. It's the blowjob death, obviously. Sue right. me. I don't care. I wrote in my review originally that the blowjob death was my f- new favorite kill of any 80s horror film I'd seen. Damn. Because the first time I saw it, it was so unexpected. And I just thought it was so funny that, like, I remember watching it with Greg and us both being like, oh, what the fuck? And it was, yeah. like, the number one thing that we remember from the movie. And I, th- I like didn't really remember it correctly going into the second viewing I thought she was like actually sucking his dick and that he like came up behind her or something I was like I don't really remember but like if that's what it is like I could see why that's problematic and then I watched it again and I was like shit I still fucking like it yeah (laughs) I love it it uh it just speaks to me I guess I'm a whore (laughs) (laughs) I love that for you um the girls who cried be horror Mm -hmm. um I would say my favorite death is the girlfriend on the train because obviously as you know we just talked about I do in fact like the the creepiness that leads up to it with the whole like him popping out of the mouth and the lights kind of going out and I think it's just like the most tragic and it is similar obviously in ways to the blowjob death in that you know he's getting access through the mouth um but I also like that it's like it kind of plays homage to like when you're on any public transportation and people think that that's an appropriate place to like have PDA and like make everyone uncomfortable and it's just kind of like because literally when it's happening like it's from everyone else's perspective it is just these two like making out on the train and so they're Mm -hmm. like oh god and so it is just like and you feel bad obviously there's a lot of stuff coming before that in the fact that she just slept with his really hot fucking brother. I can't even... Oh, oh my so god, hot. she's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, it's just, like, very tragic. Um, it, it feels, like, in a way, the more tasteful version of the kind of moment in Basket Case when Belial obviously kills the girlfriend. And he's like, this is my breaking point. Whereas, like, obviously in that one, which, again, is very interesting. That's the breaking point where he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you, Belial. I'm going to fuck you up. Whereas, like, this one, um, El- Elmer eating his girlfriend's brain is, like, him almost, like, accepting, like, the full defeat of, like, well, now I have nothing. Which I think, obviously, once again, yeah. plays back into the um, drug abuse thing. Cycle yeah. of addiction. Where it's like, yeah. you know, there's people around you that want to help you, but sometimes, you know, unfortunately, those people, if, you, if you're not accepting the help or they don't know what to do, they're not, you know, equipped for something like this, if they, like, have to remove themselves from your lives, then I'm sure as the person that is suffering with the addiction, you're like, well, now there's even less reason to get clean. I don't have anything. Um, 
And it's also, like, disturbing how, like, he, like, then, like, leaves her body, like, limp and, like, bloodied on the subway seat. And in a fucked up way, you know, I do believe that there would be, having taken several amounts of public transportation in my life, um, that then, you know, they see her body there and everyone's just kind of like, I'm minding my business. I'm trying to get home. Like, whatever that was, none of my fucking business. Even though her dead body is lying there, they're like, okay, back to the paper. Um... So, yeah, I, I like that one. But there's, yeah, there's so many good deaths. I mean, a lot of them are the same in the sense of, like, uh, I always keep saying Blyal. Um, Aylmer, like, kind of, like, bum-rushing and going right to the forehead and, like, and burrowing in, which is also a really creepy image. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think that there's any wrong answers. I think there's ones that definitely stick out, obviously, the fellatio death. But, um, yeah. I don't I, think it, there's a bad death in the book. No, I think it's really fun to at going from basket case, where, as we had said, like, a lot of the deaths, and I'm sure it's, like, budgetary and, you know, stuff like that, where, like, it's pretty much only, like, the doctors that are getting it, um, other than the girlfriend and then at the end, Dwayne, um, and, yeah, and they're kind of all the same of, like, kind of just, like, as I said, like, an almost, like, fucking, like, savage ape type, I'm gonna beat you to death kind of shit, like, killing people whereas even though like these are similar in the sense of like he latches to their forehead there's just something about it and like these people's like ongoing struggle to try to like pull him off and like it's like I think of like the bathroom one with the guy in the toilet like that goes on for so long and it's like clearly someone in the stall like with a ketchup bottle of blood just like <laughs> like whipping it around um yeah I love the deaths in this yeah movie. I think that it's very clear that they had a really strong team doing their makeup effects and their practical effects and they we're like, okay, well, we have a little bit more of a budget. We have an incredible team that has a fucking sturdy-ass resume. We're going to amp it up. And I think each of them works on their own. I think even though they are similar, they each have enough differences to stand out. And they're just, like, fun and gory, and everyone has a different kind of reaction to it. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so who would you say is your partner in crime in this one? Hot brother. Hot brother. We, I can't believe we didn't talk about him that much, but, like, he literally just, like, is super fucking hot. And, like, from moment one, I, I love the scene when the girlfriend comes the first time, and this is before, presumably, um, Aylmer has snuck into his bed and, like, cooked him. But he's, like, doesn't feel great. And she's, like, oh, like... And they had, like, tickets to a concert or something. He's, like, no, you should still go. She's, like, I don't fucking want to go on my own. I wanted to go with you. He's, like, take my brother. And, like, he's, like, brother... Like, like, whatever his name is. He's, like, come in here, come in here. And he's, like do a brother a favor, like, take her out tonight. And it's so funny because from the second she had walked into the apartment, you know the brother is, like, down bad for this bitch. Like, he wants, she becomes down bad for him, but, like, he's already there. So, like, he's not a great brother in that sense of, like, pining after his brother's girl. Like, and it isn't like, oh, well, because, like, in their time of need when they were trying to help their brother, that's when it started. I mean, that's when it really comes to a head when they sleep with each other because they're, like, so, like, emotionally, you know, in a bad place. But he was already fucking doing the legwork before then. So, God. But he waited. He was respectful. He, he waited until his brother was on death's door, <laughs> dying from this horrible parasitic addiction to he fuck his, his girlfriend. Um, 
But, yeah, he's just, like, he's very sweet, and, like, he takes her to the concert. It kills me in the one scene, and he's, like, it's, like, shot from, like, outside the window, and he's just in his, like, tidy whities and he's, like, doop, 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 over to the phone, and, like, lying on his stomach talking to her on the phone, and I was, like, where's my stupid fucking hot boyfriend in tidy whities to talk to me on the phone about his fucking brother with a parasite that I'm supposed to be dating? This is my fantasy. Yeah, he's a good-looking dude. He should have been the one that had the split lip, honestly. Dead. Literally, bro. Um, But yeah, I would pick him, obviously, for reasons I've already mentioned, but also because in this scenario, I'm sorry, I'm not dating, they're both good looking, brother is hotter. I'm not dating the uglier of the two. So already I would have been safe because I wouldn't have been running after this motherfucker to get on the train to be like, wait, I'd be like, (laughs) I won. I got what I wanted, which was the hotter brother. Have fun with whatever you're doing. I also can't mm. imagine the fucking... Could you imagine being ballsy enough to, like, fuck your boyfriend's brother and then be like, wait, come back, and then try to get back with him? in, like, the living room, like, pull-out bed. Yeah. And then when he comes in, you expect this moment of, like, (gasps) and they're both kind of like, oh, my God, where have you been? And I I get that, like, he was, like, low-key, like, missing, so there's that, like, relief, but at the same time, I'd be like, bitch, you are butt-ass fucking naked with his brother. Why are you not concerned? And then, yeah, going after him, it's like, bitch. I'm sorry, you have to give this motherfucker space. He just caught you in the act. Mm-hmm. Like, there is and no also, explanation. In her mind, she thinks that he's seeing other people, too. Because he pretty much tells her, like, I'm seeing someone else. And she's like, oh, what, yeah, yeah, what, am yeah. I supposed to wait around for you? Like, well, that's not fair. And I'm like, girl, you think he's cheating on you. So you break up. You then fuck his brother. And then you try to go back to him? Why? Why? It's like, you just got the easiest out in the world, babe. Yeah, no. Um... I would also pick him because mm-hmm. he's also just, like, the least problematic person in the film. Yeah. I mean, his the girlfriend is, like, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just a little bit, like, I don't I don't care for her super much. She's because we're just saying she's like, making dumb choices. We're she's like, a bitch, whiny. You're getting it on a fucking it. silver platter, the hot brother. Why yeah. are you complaining? I mean, if I had to pick anyone else, it would just be Aylmer, and it, and it would just be because I would try really hard to domesticate him and make him be my sweet little pet. Oh my god, Alex. I love him. I love his <laughs> I can't wait for us to post a photo of him on the Instagram because in general he's so fucking funny looking, but then when he opens his mouth and there's all these like little tiny like tendrils and, and things sticking yeah. out, it looks like a fourth grade art project that oh, was yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. done. Yeah. So good. Love it. Uh so much respect for the hot brother, whose name we didn't even mention one time. I couldn't <laughs> tell you what it is. It doesn't matter. He's hot brother, and that's all you need to know him as. Um, okay, so I guess it's time to move into our OG questions. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'm trying to explain this one, because obviously last week, my domestic case, I did a, apparently a shit job of explaining it the first time. I thought our answers came out great. I thought they came out great. Apparently, it just like was not clear what I was asking. Um, okay, so obviously, as we had said, like the blue juice in this movie is kind of this, like, euphoric it gives you it gives you the sense of euphoria or um like an orgasmic state so mm-hmm. if what I, my question is what would the blue juice if it was inserted into your brain feel like for you other than like an orgasm so like what would be like the best feeling in the world that you would want like recreated over and over in your brain hmm. okay for you personally? interesting I would want my brain to tell me that it's a Friday night. Mm. I have no obligations. I don't have to wake up in the morning. I don't have to work. I would like to have the concept of freshly baked goods coming out of the oven any minute. 
perpetually and also maybe the scent just like coming through my nose tricking my brain into thinking I'm smelling delicious treats um the the feeling I get when I look at my cats Mm. um the feeling I get when I'm really really anxious about something and then it's been resolved that like feeling of just like oh my god it's over I feel like that would be, like, the overarching feeling I would have because I have really bad anxiety, and there's no better feeling than when something I've been fucking stressing about gets fixed, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's literally, like, I feel like I've lost 50 pounds. It's such a huge weight, and so I feel like any time I took the blue juice, it would just be, like, that weight dropping and just just bliss, just, oh, I have no cares in the world. Yeah. Which I think is just drugs. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe yeah. you should start doing drugs. Um, <laughs> well, now that you say it, um, I think, yeah, there's probably many things that I could say for mine. But I would say, like, I always imagine my living room, but not my living, like, my living room in my, my family home, but not the one that we have now. Like, originally how the house was, like, growing up, um, where our living room was at the front of the house in front of, like, the bay windows. And I just, like, imagine, like, sitting on the couch that we've had for years, and it's, like, nighttime and we have like a big like square cut Sicilian pizza and me and Bridget are sitting next to each other and like there's a new episode of Teen Wolf coming on and it's like a Friday night and I know I don't have to get up for anything the next day and we're just gonna like sit there and be stupid and eat pizza and just like it's one of those like moments where I'm like kind of similarly where I'm like for the next few hours or the next day, I don't have to do any because, like, let's say, like, I'm in like high school or some shit, where like on the weekends I really don't have anything to do. Um, yeah, that bliss, just like that bliss. I don't know. My mind keeps going to like images of like me being younger on that couch in the living room at night, like either like falling asleep watching something, um, and just like that sense of like. Like, I'm safe, and I'm warm, and I'm doing something that I like, and it's, like, the weekend, so, like, I don't have that, like, pang when you wake up, and you're like, fuck, I need to go up to my room because I gotta get up in the morning, or blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, no, 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 let this go on forever. So that would be what the blue juice was doing to my brain, putting me back on my fucking family's old living room couch for some reason. Yeah, I'm just such a lazy fucking bitch that any time I don't have any, like, obligations for the day or for the night... It's just bliss. I'm like, <laughs> I don't or I would say, shit. or I would say, it would be the sensation of genuinely eating a cinnamon roll from Cinnabon with none of the regret, because no yeah, matter I mean, when I do it, like whether it's before and I'm like I shouldn't do this, or it's like as I'm doing it or after where I'm like, okay, yes, obviously that tasted like you know God's asshole in the best way possible. Like I now I'm gonna die because I ate that like I just want all uh, the blue juice would eradicate all of that it would constantly feel like I'm like consuming the most delicious fucking bussin' ass fucking cinnamon roll from Cinnabon and no regret none of the fucking bad that comes with it that is my pure blissed out moment I love that I love that for you wow uh all right well my question is um it's it should be a quick answer um okay I was thinking about it, and, you know, over the course of our podcast, we've done a couple films now where we've had some really cool animatronics, some puppets, some dudes that we like. So, Anya, mm-hmm. fuck, marry, kill. Oh, Aylmer, Christ almighty. Okay. Aylmer, Belial, Uncle Impy. Uncle 
Uncle Impy. Holy <laughs> From shit. Those who don't know, Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bolo Rama. Oh, fuck Mary Jo. Um. Shit. <laughs> God, that's so hard. Um. Fuck. Why are you gonna fucking do this to me? This Why is a good not? question, though. This is like a fucking deranged question, but it's a really good question. Um. <laughs> Because I'm going through, like, every option in my head. Okay. I know. They're, they're all such great options. I guess I would fuck Aylmer. Because yeah. he's, I guess, the most phallic. But not really that that's anything important to me. It's more so because, obviously, he can, like, bring me to an orgasmic state very easily. Okay. Sure. So I'm going to fuck Aylmer. Because it's, like, one and done. I'm not trying to do mm-hmm. any of that shit once. More than once. <laughs> Go. Um, then marry or kill. I'm, okay, I'm fucking killing Belial, and I'm marrying Uncle Impy, because Belial, I'm sorry, is a rapist, fuck off, and also, like, he just, like, is so high maintenance, and, like, I can't hold a conversation with him, he's just, like, grunting all the fucking time, the second he fucking gets mad at me, what's he gonna do, fucking, like, wreck my fucking furniture, like, get out, you literally, get out of my house, um, whereas Uncle Impy, I'm assuming if we're marrying each other, like, we, like, have an understanding, we like each other, we can have conversation, we can have a laugh or two, and in theory, like, he can grant me all my fucking wishes. Like, he can go off and ruin everybody else's life, I don't give a fuck. As long as he's giving me wishes that don't backfire on my ass, we're gonna have a really happy fucking marriage. Um, and maybe we'll have an open marriage, I don't fucking know. That's on the table, who's to say it's not? So yeah, I'm marrying Uncle Impy, I'm fucking killing Belial, and I'm fucking, no, wait, I, I messed it up, no. Did I? I'm marrying yeah. Libby. I'm killing Delilah. I'm fucking Elmer. That's what I'm doing. What about you? That's amazing. I mean, you give logic that is so sound. I don't know how to give any other answer, but my original answer is going to be Obviously, I'm killing Belial. There's no yeah. question. Belial is just a fucking whiny little brat. He's always going to throw a tantrum. I don't have, I already have a puppy. I don't have fucking time or energy. And you got to take him to everywhere you fucking go. I'm sorry. I want time away from my fucking husband. He's so I dependent. No, I can't with Belial. You're dead. You're just a fucking like bundle of nerves and like, no, I'm good. I would marry Aylmer probably just because I find his demeanor to be the most, um, acceptable I feel like yeah. I could ha- I could like hang out and spend time with Aylmer without getting annoyed way more than Belial or Uncle Impy because Uncle Impy I think is the kind of person that would fucking grate on my nerves after like 45 minutes like That's some her. people we know mm, yeah and I would just I just couldn't fucking deal with him so I would fuck Uncle Impy the one time and like get a bunch of fun wishes out of it and you know make it a sexy saucy time and then kick him into a bowling trophy to get him out of my face. Yeah, Kill lock Belial, that shit up, yeah. And then marry Elmer because, like, if he's able to give me maybe a little blue juice without, get me ad- without getting me addicted and we could just have, like, a fun time once, sure, we could try it. Or, you know, he could just have a good conversation with me because he's very intelligent. He's cultured. He's cultured. He's been a lot of places. He can educate me on a lot of things probably, so... I that's think that that's a sound answer as well. Yeah, I mean, as long as Belial dies, we're good. As long as Belial's dead in a fucking ditch, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> wow, that Amazing. was a great question. I didn't see it coming, but I'm so happy that you brought it to the table. Thank you, I'm so glad. <laughs> I was like, three of them. I was like, okay, she's gonna say Belial. Who the fuck is the third? Uncle Envy, I couldn't have guessed. That's so <laughs> funny. Um, such a good choice. But we'll have to post that perhaps on the Instagram for our followers. Uh, yeah, fuck you guys Kale. can all Who sound off. Who the fuck y'all picking? Um, but... 
yeah, so I guess it's time to um, tell the kids at home what we're rating this movie overall on our, of course, soundproof rating system. So do you want to go first? Sure. I love this film. Um, this may be the highest I've ever rated a movie on our podcast because I the second I rate them, girl, I don't fucking remember what I've rated them. Yeah. But I give this movie a four and a half. A boy next door who is the final girl. So he is the final boy. A final boy is what she's giving it. Okay. I'm giving a final boy. I love it. I really don't have any issues with it. I think on like a fun level, it hits all the fucking notes I need. The pacing's great. The acting's fun. The visuals are there. The practical effects are there. And on a deeper level, it has substance. And I yeah. think – it, that that elevates it for me instead of just being like a fun, silly, campy movie. It's that plus more. Yes. Um, I think as I kind of knew it was going to happen through discussing this, I have definitely moved up my rating a little bit, and I'm going to give it a solid for Boy Next Door. Uh, she's yeah. so happy, folks. Um, but, yeah, I think I agree with everything you said. I think I kind of laid it all out there in our conversation. I really – there's a lot to praise here. I like that there's a lot more kills that we're working with. I mean, I'm watching a crazy horror movie about a fucking parasitic leech. I want, I want carnage. Um, and I think that the the overall story and knowing like full well, like that's exactly what it was intended to be based on literally what Franklin Henlotter has said. Like this story as like a metaphor for addiction and, you know, the way that substance abuse can ruin your life, I think is really effective and really powerful despite any of like, the kooky zaniness of, you know, Aylmer himself. Um, yeah, I, I just, and visual-wise, we talked about that. There's so many fun visuals. Uh, yeah, I think Boy Next Door, and I think uh, there's some universe in which, you know, over time, I even think high, even higher of this. So, wow. And I, you know, I will say that, obviously, if you've listened to this episode, we have, and you haven't seen the film, we've given you a lot of spoilers, but I still think that seeing it with your own eyes oh, is for a sure. completely different experience, especially in this instant, because... You really cannot fathom Aylmer until you've seen Aylmer in action. You have to. You have to see it. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like I'm like, damn. We've had like I feel like pretty solid picks. Obviously, because we're obviously trying to pick shit that we like to watch. I'm like, I feel like next ones I should pick something like bad. You know what I'm saying? Like something that I either know is like really bad or like something that I don't know. And I think maybe our next episode is the last episode of season two. Is it? So, is it? pick a good one. It, it, you're right. It is going to be the end of season two. Um, end us on a f- bad note, I guess. End us on a fucking low note. We've been going too strong for too long. i got to humble us a little bit, make us watch garbage. Um, but, yeah. So, I guess that was brain damage. Um, very interesting conversation. Great way to start my... Like, truly, when I tell y'all that I woke up 20 minutes and then put the fucking mic in the computer and we started recording. So, that's how I woke up today. Brain damage on the brain. Um... But yeah, I hope that you all enjoyed the episode. I hope that you will join us next month, as Alex has told us, is our last episode of season two. So that's really exciting because then we're back for season three. And I'm sure we'll probably end up doing maybe something a little special for the end of season two, like we did for the end of season one. Um, And yeah, it's just been such a fun journey. I'm so happy for anyone that continues to listen or anybody new that's listening. Um... And there's more fun to come, even if we pick something bad. Even if we pick something bad, it'll still be fun. Yeah, because I'm going to shit on it, and I'm going to be ruthless. Listen, I looked at it a million times. The only issue with picking shit that we did before that was, like, not fun or, like, bad, like Anaconda, 
was that we hadn't fully fleshed out the, the format we have for the podcast now. So it was like, oh, we're going to talk about this movie for like three, a little over three hours. And it yeah. was torturous. If you think it was torturous to listen to, please know that it was more torturous to fucking record it. Yeah, maybe we should one day go back into Anaconda again, just because... Abridged. Anaconda abridged, <laughs> literally. Um, I do have a, a soft spot, spot in my heart for that trash film. Oh my goodness gracious. John Voight, literally, take a look at Oh, that accent. There. You doing that accent is the highlight of this podcast for me. <laughs> I don't even remember so what it was like now. Funny. I don't want to even hear it. Um, oh. Yes. So anyways... That was the episode, and I hope that you liked it. So, <laughs> so have a <laughs> bye, guys. Fuck off. So have a great time. I can't even fucking look at you. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're keeping it. So just say that. This goodbye. is me on the blue juice. This is me on the blue juice. Um, oh my god, literally didn't even talk about when they were splish-splashing in the tub, giggling with each other. Oh my god, that was so I funny! Know. On that note, go watch the movie, watch them splish-splash in the bath together, and as always, keep it creepy. Bye, guys. Bye! Hi, creeps, and thank you for listening to another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We would not be able to make this podcast, though, completely on our own, and we have some folks that we would love to thank. Um, first and foremost, if you've noticed, we have amazing new artwork, and we have to thank our friend Raymond Lowell, who commissioned it for us. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram and see all his other amazing art at RB Lowell. Uh, who else, Alex? Uh, we would love to thank, yet again, for another season, our lovely friend Nathan Graham who made our beautiful introduction music um, and he sings the Girls Who Cried Be Horror um, you can follow him at yes. instant underscore grammed like his name um, and you can also check out his podcast with our other friend Jonah uh, called The Commonwealth Yes, all good spooky content. Yes. And of course, if you can't get enough of us, we're on social media too. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, on Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. And if you really want to write us a whole novella, baby, you can send us an email at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror at gmail.com. We always want to hear your thoughts and opinions and your insight. Uh, and if you want to follow us individually on social media, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, I am at G-Way Forever. That is G-E-E-W-A-Y, number four, and then ever on Instagram. At agarity15 on Twitter. And uh, on agarity on Letterboxd if you really want my uh, my film insight. Alex? Yeah, and if you want to check out the uh, three tweets and Instagram posts I do a year, you can check me out uh, yeah. at Alex Brandley. Because I'm very basic on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd. It's all the same. I'm just Alex Bradley. She makes it easy for you, folks. Yeah. She makes it easy for you. Um, but that's all we have for now. So we'll see you creeps next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The girls who cried be horror.